I good here. We please. are live. Awesome. How's it going, guys? Welcome to True TV. We're really excited today because this has been something I've been wanting to do for a little bit and have a, a guest on, a very good friend, actually, um, regarding publishing your own book, writing your own book. And so um, why, before we get going in all the nitty gritty, please do share. You guys can take some time. Actually, Marty, you can even share Okay. Um, wherever and let's make sure this is getting out because I feel like this is very important to where we are right now I think there are tons of people out there who have thought about it or um, dreamt about it or been told they should write their story or stories but just to know where to start you know um, I know you helped me tremendously um, get going with two of mine and I know you've helped many, many people that I've sent to you as well. So um, definitely um, just wanted to make sure this is something that if it's for me and all these other people, then it's probably a ton of other people who are interested in um, on all of this too. So uh, without yeah. anything else, yeah. Um, yeah, go to swiftfire.org. Please get on the newsletter. Just a few announcements. Um, I have Dr. Lucky on next week. We're going to be sharing about energy medicine, just to give you a little heads up on that. But, but yeah, Marty, welcome. Thank tell you. Us, yeah. Tell us a little bit about you and who you are and how you got here and how you started your company, Rebel yeah. Queen, which is pretty cool. And let's just let's okay. see where we go. Okay. Listen, this might be really long now. So. I'm Marty Stotler. I live in the Outer Banks in North Carolina. I just moved here just a little over a year ago. So I'm in a beach town. Um, I love the beach. There is nothing like sticking your toes in the sand and listening to the roar of the water. Um, I have found tremendous solace living here. But I moved here a little over a year ago from Pennsylvania, which is where I was not born but raised. Um, I have three daughters anywhere between the ages of 19 and 26 years old. I've got grandbaby number six on the way. I know, I'm so excited. She didn't even make that public yet, so I don't know if I should have. It's totally fine. It's a baby, it's coming either way. Um, yeah, so let's talk about publishing. Super excited. Um, I sold insurance. I was a door-to-door -door insurance salesman. I was selling Aflac. It was great, I loved it. Um, I did well at it. Um, but I just got to this point that this was my prayer, Jesus, I'm going to need you to give me some Jesus work to do. And I need you to pay me for it. That was my prayer verbatim. And I walked into an office building to peddle my insurance one day. And I walked out with a job offer that was at a faith-based publishing company. Um, and I said yes to it. And my role at that company was to read unsolicited manuscripts and negotiate contracts. And it was an amazing experience and set off the trajectory of me publishing books now. Um, that was 14 years ago. So I've been doing this for 14 years. Um, tried to get out of publishing twice. And when I got back to publishing after the second time, I know this sounds really cliche, but that's okay. I'm going to say this anyway. I really believe that I was born to publish books. I truly love what I do. I love working with authors um, and I just find great fulfillment in being able to um, like help get books done and put into the world because books change lives. I didn't realize I didn't realize I was on mute. So yes, books do change lives and I'm an avid reader. I know you are too. I can, I've been known to be reading five to six no, books at all times. I, I'm constantly reading. Um, tell us like, how do you even start? Like what's the starting process? And, and by the way, I love your story. I think it's just a lot of people are finding themselves when they think it's like a synchronicity, but really it's like a call and like it got just ordering steps to get to the place. And, and I know from experience, just talking to you, you know, everything that you did before that you're using now. Yeah, absolutely. Way, you know, but sometimes along the line of doing all the things you think are like, why am I doing this? It's like, actually, 
for the thing you're doing next. Yeah, absolutely. It's preparation, you know, in some way, shape or form, it's preparation. And I was just talking about this uh, yesterday when I was on a call with someone and it's like, you know, I, I have paid for some very costly lessons um, and I have paid dearly, but I have learned from everything that I've done. And what I at one time would have considered like this huge mistake and, you know, maybe different choices could have been made at the time, but I learned so much from those things that positioned me better moving forward. So, yeah. Awesome. So for the, the random Joe out there, or I guess that's a boy name. I don't know what a girl hey. Yeah. Jane or a Joe out there who wants to write, what is the start process on this? So, all right. So I get a couple different um, people that communicate with me. One, some people already know exactly what they want to write about. They just need help writing it. Um, and then the other part of that coin are people who are like, you know, um, I know I have books in me. I know I want to write. I've been told I want to write. I just don't know what to write about. Um, and I love working with people who are not quite sure how to like hone down the message in their book. Um, because it's, it's super fun for me just to help them get a vision around what they want to do. And here's what I would say to them. Listen, let's just assume you're that person that, you know, there are just so many things that you could write about, or you have no idea what you want to write about. And this is where I start everybody when we're brain dumping to get this book out. And that's this, if your life message, if you could communicate one thing from your life to impact somebody else, what would you tell them? Like, what is your biggest life lesson that you want to impart onto somebody else? You know, and it could be something as simple as um, don't play small. Let's just talk about that. Let's just go from that. Let's just don't play small, right? Just take the risk. And I would say to them, that's absolutely fabulous. So if I'm reading your book and at the end of your book, you want me to take risks and not play small. What is it that I need to know in order to get to that point? Well, Marty, um, you need to learn to kick fear in the face. Um, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, taking chances, you know, that wouldn't come naturally to you. Um, you need to dip your toe in the water of, Hey, maybe I would like to do this, but I don't know how, well, let's start Googling and see what that looks like. Right? So there's certain steps that you can take real practical steps to get closer to the step of don't play small. Right. Um, when you're brain dumping that out, that's essentially becoming your table of contents. So when I start your book, I want you to take me on a journey. So I need to adopt as my own that I need to kick fear in the face. Great. Tell me how to kick fear in the face. What does that look like practically? Well, that looks like recognizing when, and listen, all this is just off the cuff. I don't actually have these answers. Um, but kicking fear in the face, that looks like when you find that you want to do something, but then you start getting nervous and butterflies and you start pulling back, then you need to recognize that and do the exact thing that, you know, your body is telling you not to do. I mean, because our bodies protect us, right? Um, so you need to do the exact opposite of what your body is, you know, telling you not to do just to start taking steps forward. So, okay, cool. I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, so you're breaking down these steps of what I need to do to get to this part. And then you're breaking those steps down even further, kind of like an outline, you know, that you did in, in grade school or middle school, you're outlining your work. That's what I want you to do. So what's your message that you want to impart to me? Um, what are the steps that I need to know to adopt that as my own? And then just keep breaking it down more. What's the step? Give me some examples. Give me the how and the why. That's awesome. And, and that's exactly what we did. And, um, and we're, I still have a two other projects that I'd like to get with you and I just haven't got to that point yet. But one of the books that I did was actually a little bit different than what you're saying. Two of them were exactly what you did, but one of them, and I've encouraged people to do this too, is just get up 
and write whatever's on your heart every single day just write one thing and what ended up is after doing 21 days uh, or 31 days i literally was like this can all be like a chapter each yeah of just you know like a heading of you know just di very diversified situations and and um all, but all spiritual in this case it was spiritual reflections of a montana girl in a louisiana state that one ended up being like very like just a synchronicity that happened that day and another synchronicity that came up or a dream that i had and then it got kind of you know set up with with the keto um i already had like a series of 31 days videos and i was just able to take the videos that i had already created and turn it into a book so there's all kinds of different things um you know with the science of miracles that was a little bit of both um it was you know i already had some videos where i was teaching some different things but um that one was so crazy because literally i was going to have a ghostwriter do it for me with the videos but then the more i was working with this with this person it was like it wasn't really my voice it didn't feel like me and the more i thought like oh my gosh i just need to do this and i had committed to you to to get you know a, a chapter done yeah. a week is what i had said initially and so i started writing that morning and i was like look i'm not going to overcommit and make a bunch of promises but i can commit to a chapter a week and then you had given me this crazy deadline of like and i was like nope nope that ain't gonna work and then i realized the whole book is about the science of miracles why am i limiting myself and my own programming that this can't be done that fast and so i said okay i get up in the morning i start writing i think it was about 10 o'clock or something i started writing and by four i had almost the entire book done um yeah. i was like oh my gosh i'm so i can't even believe this just all came out and then i continued to write all the way till 11 and finished and then i think we may have added like two more chapters in like way later just for like something came up but i mean that book was done in a day so yeah. it was keep the third heaven that was done in a day so it's very interesting you know how once you get in the flow you yeah. think you're not once you get in that flow as long as there's not a bunch of distraction yeah. which yeah. is a good key too is like get away set the time apart yeah. make sure you're not distracted you know and see what comes out you know sometimes it's just doing it and just starting you know any thoughts to that well and i think too that when you create the space for something like it gets filled you know, if you are not in the habit of writing, you know, sit down and just start writing, make it a habit every day and it will get easier. You know, I've noticed that on my own, um, like with social media, if I get out of the habit, if I get too busy to like make time to write, you know, like create posts for my social media, when I do sit down to do it, it's like I have to get over that hump of I don't know what to write about. But I have found that if I create that space on a regular basis, my writing comes easier. I'm inspired in like the randomness of ways that, you know, I'm being inspired to write, you know, because I'm creating space for it. I agree. I agree. And I will tell you this too. I know you're in Alabama. Are you by the water by any chance? I am. You said, you said it's a beach town. Is that what you said? Yeah. Something well, scientifically proven that when you are near water um, and, and or can hear water, or be in the water even for 30 seconds, yeah. your brain waves go into theta, which is total creation. So that's why you always hear people who like, you know, go out, you know, to get away to write, like, or lock themselves up to write is not only the distraction, but sometimes it's just the energy of the woods or the nature or the, the water that literally shifts your brain into creativity. And I found that out by accident because uh, I was studying like, you know, theta, delta, all of that. And uh, I had went to the beach and I was basically I had told myself I'm not going to work at all. Like this is just going to be rest, fun, sleeping in, you know, whatever. But when I got there, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm flooded with these ideas. And it was like, just let me do this quick video. I, I told my husband just, you know, and then it was like, let me do this other quick video. And then I was like, let me write this down. Like and it was just. It's easier for me to do a video than to write just because yeah. I get on my 
letters backwards and all that stuff. And as many of you have seen my post, they're pretty uh, hard to understand at times because I can't even read it. I just, this is the way I see it. Um, and it's been a thing. So sometimes it's just like easier to write, but um, what are you, what are your thoughts on any of that? Okay. Well, listen, I had no idea about that, but it makes sense because every time, and I say this, I go on vacation, I always get way more work done. In fact, rebel, I'll never like rebel. All right. So let me tell this story. I've been in publishing for a really long time. Um, I founded rebel in 2019. Um, and it was amazing because up until that point, till I founded Rebel, um, truly, I believed that I was not good enough um, to do a business on my own. I truly believe that. Um, what switched in me was that I had a coach at the time who looked at me like I had three freaking heads. And she's like, um, you can totally do this on your own. And I believed her. Um, but when Rebel was birthed, I had taken my daughter for her 16th birthday to Myrtle Beach. And I tell people I always get way more work done when I'm on vacation, which is true because most of my vacations are happening at the beach. And I love to just sit beside the ocean and read a book. And I remember I was um, reading at Myrtle Beach with my daughter and her friend and Rebel, the entire business plan was just downloaded. This is how you're going to do things. This is what it looks like. Um, yeah. So and I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, and I get in the shower. Most of my best ideas come from the shower water yeah yeah everybody says that too like they hear god in the shower they get their ideas in the shower because you're alone you're in water you know there's something even to the sound of the shower mm -hmm. um, i always suggest like going to bed i go to bed with the sound of like lightning and the ocean and rain you could you can find like a 10 hour or an eight hour no commercial black screen so i put it on the tv and that's what we listen to when we go to sleep because that's way better than the commercials that could be programming. Like why not programming really open up for God to, to really speak versus yeah. being programmed with something that is not going to serve you. So yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting. Awesome. So what is, what's the next step after you get your table of contents and your actual passionate idea that you want to bring through? What, what, what do you do after that? Okay. Well, first off, I am just going to throw this out there that if you go to my website and it's rebelqueen.co, um, there's a pop-up that's going to say, Hey, um, do you want a writing guide? You know, essentially. Um, so get that and it will download, you can download that. And I walk you through all of this, um, in this guide, but after you get those steps down, like that, that message you want me to get, here's the steps that I need you to know in order to get there. Then you're going to break that down just in outline form. So practically speaking, you know, I tell people when you start writing, I need you to dedicate like whatever time it's going to be. I don't care if it's five minutes or five hours, but get it in your calendar. So you have dedicated time. So you start creating that habit and opening up the space for creativity. Listen, if you are writing a nonfiction book, I don't actually believe in writer's block. And here's why, especially if you're writing a nonfiction book. If you are writing nonfiction, you're writing what you know. This stuff is coming from inside you. You know, if you're writing um, a memoir, you know, your story, you know, whatever that is, if you are writing what you know, it's going to flow from within you. And if you are getting stumped, it is because of a couple different things. One, you have an expectation of what it should be and you don't feel like you're reaching that, which that's just total crap. Um, just ignore that and just keep writing. Or... You're going back and you're trying to edit. So absolutely don't edit yourself while you're writing um, because an author's work is never done. You can get your book done and you can go back and read it 17 more times. And every single time I should have said this, I could have worded this differently. Why did I put that in there? Oh, there's a better word than that. So you're going to edit it every single time you go back. So just don't go back. So when you're getting that first draft out, it's just a draft. You just need to flush it out of your system and get it onto paper, right? So just write what you know. But I tell people two things. One, when you're writing that first draft, stick to the facts. When you are writing that, two things are going to happen. So you're gonna need like two separate pieces of paper or notebooks or whatever. 
one, you're going to keep writing these facts and you're going to think of stories that you can add in. It is not time to fold those stories in. So what I want you to do is write down on one of those pieces of paper or that notebook, that story, like detail it enough that you know what you're talking about when you go back to read that. I am queen of jotting something down and going back and like, I have no idea what I was talking about. I have no idea. So write enough details that you know what you're talking about when you go back to it. Um, that second piece of paper you're going to keep is for all of those distractions that are going to pop up like, shit, did I feed the dog? Oh gosh, I forgot to send that email. My laundry, I got to get my laundry done or the dishes need done. Listen, yes, you have to do all of those things, but not right now. So just write them down on paper because when you're writing down on paper, you're not going to forget about it because it's on paper and it's getting it off the hamster wheel in your head and it's and it's getting it out of your head onto paper. So we just need to get it off the hamster wheel. Um, so flush through the first draft, outline, outline those things out, stick to the facts when you're writing out your first draft. Um, keep two notebooks, one for the stories that you're going to remember that you're going to fold back in that second time you go through your book. Um, and the other ones for your to-do list when you're done writing. That is really good. Really good stuff. And I know you're going to give me a link too, um, which uh, I'm going to be posting this link for anyone who's interested in starting this process. Um, please do grab my link, um, which I'll be posting here in a little bit. And, or maybe Marty can post it for me. Um, but yeah, that would be a good way just to start the basics. I mean, just to get the information and, and figure out like, you know, the big thing is starting. Just starting. You know, I, I think that a lot of times we, we create our own fears, our own blocks, our own, you know, limited beliefs. Yeah. Uh, feeling like, oh no, not me. That's for those people or, you know, whatever. But I mean, I, I've written music and and for years, and I even had stuff on the radio, but for some reason to even to get a crossover to the book thing was a, was a little bit fearful for me. I knew, I, I knew I was going to do it, but I just, um, I don't know, even, even though I had success in writing in another venue, I, it just wasn't, you know, but once I just sat down, I was like, you know what, this is not as crazy bad as I, I kind of like made it out to be in my mind. Um, and there's something so crazy about like the cover and like once you you know are holding it it just starts to become like super real when you have like the cover in your hand and you're just like oh my gosh like i did that like yeah. it's it's a it's literally a birthing process like yeah. just you feel like you just birth this baby and you know um you know, speak about that. Cause I know you help with the cover, you help with design, you help with editing. Yeah. I mean, you kind of all are on one, you're definitely like a one-stop shop. Yeah. So go into that. So, all right. I, in that, in that transition from getting your book written to now getting, cause there's three parts to getting a book done, right? You got to write it, you publish it, and then you market it. You have to sell it, right? You didn't write a book just, I mean, maybe you did, maybe you write a book just to say you wrote a book. You don't care if you sell anything. And that's totally fine too. Um, but from that process of writing to publishing, just a couple things. Like I just want to appease maybe some nerves because I have heard this so frequently. I am not a writer and that's totally fine. You might not think that you're a writer, but you are an author. So I have people who are really gifted, talented speakers who do really well communicating verbally and they are terrible writers. Um, you should see some of the stuff that I got and it's totally fine um, because I, as, as long as I can capture the heart of what you're doing and why we're doing this, I can take the words that you've given me and we can make a really great product out of that. Um, so one, you don't have to be a really great writer. You don't have to write a draft that is publishing ready. Um, the reason is, is because you have to understand like where your skill set and where your giftings end because that's where someone else can pick it up so we have writers and editors on staff like that is their skill set and that is their gifting so they're going to take take what you can do when you're ready and say okay i'm done and just recognize when you are done and you've taken this as far as it can, you can take it and you're ready to pass it off to um, the next step which would be publishing so when you're publishing a book there's a lot of things that happen 
um, with a lot of people with different skill sets. Now, listen, I know that there are some really talented people out there whose skill set is vast. Um, I, I feel like I have like a very wide skill set, but I hone in and I know what I'm good at. The other things like I can make happen, but I'm not super great at it. Um, so when you come, when it comes to publishing, there's a couple different things that are happening, like a bunch of resources that need to be pulled in. So you have editors and you usually have two separate editors. You have a content development editor, which is the first person who's going to, to take hold of your book, right? They're looking at it. They're making sure it's a well-rounded book. Do we have all of the information in here that we need? Is it readable? Does it flow well? Is it structured well? Do we have enough stories? Is it impactful? Um, so you want someone to go through and just make sure that all of the pieces are in there that's going to make this book and it's all in there in a way that makes sense. Um, the second editor that you're going to need, and listen, there's a lot of um, terms that are used interchangeably. Um, so like line edit or copy edit, um, that editor is going to be someone that once the book is fully flushed through, they're going back and fine tuning it, making sure that grammar is correct, um, spellings are correct, I's are dotted, T's are crossed, you know, they're just like fine tuning everything. Once you've got both of those edits complete, the next step in that process is someone in layout. And terminology wise, it's a formatter, a layout person. Um, for years, I called it pagination. Um, what that person is doing is they're taking that Word document, and by the time you get it back, you're looking at a PDF that is your book. So it's going to have all of the front matter in there, the back matter, your chapter headings, your table of contents, your page numbers. All of that's going to be in there. And listen, every single time someone touches your book, you're going to want to touch your book again, right? You're going to want to make sure, what did you do to my material? Do I agree with what you did in my material? Because some people get super concerned that you know, their voice, I mean, you talked, you touched on this briefly at the beginning, like their voice is going to change in the book because it's super important to maintain the integrity of the author and what the author is saying in the way that the author is saying it within the book. So every time someone else touches your book, I encourage you to read it. I don't just encourage you. I'm telling you, read your book and make sure that everything's there um, and you're tracking and you're agreeing with everything. When the layout person comes back and listen, by the time this whole process is done, you're going to read your book like 25 times. By the time that layout comes back and you have that PDF, um, you're going to read through it. Layout people aren't reading your book. They're they're technical, right? They're looking, they're looking at words as words. They're not reading it. So there's going to be some mistakes in there. So you're going to need to go through that with a fine tooth comb again, just to make sure, hey, is spacing okay? Um, you know, this word is hyphenated from line to line. Is the hyphen in the right spot? Um, do the footnotes um, match where they are within that page? So you're just going to need to go through that. So secondary, like that's the interior file. Once all that proofing's done, your interior file is going to be considered complete. Secondary to that is your cover file. So that's also a separate person, like a cover designer, and is going to take the vision of your cover and bring it to life. And listen, there's a couple of things with this. And this is what I'm going to tell, you know, whoever is wanting to write a book, who's like just jotting notes down with this. I want you to go to Amazon and I want you to find books who are in your same niche, similar books. I hate competitors because, you know, there's room out here for all, for all of us, right? You know, you can go to any bookshelf. This is actually really important, too, because a lot of people I have heard say, but there are already so many books written on that subject. Yes, absolutely. And I buy all of them. Like I will go like my my library sitting right here, you know, kind of falls into a handful of categories. You're going to find business books. You're going to find self-help books. You're going to find money books, leadership books, faith based books and cocktail books. That's in my library. And I don't just buy one book. I buy a lot because I want to know what everybody has to say. And when you're doing this, like, yes, of course, there are similar themes that could, I'm getting so distracted by these people. I just want to say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, Mary. <laughs> Hi. 
Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay, everybody. Part squirrel. Part squirrel. I mean, in these books that are in similar categories, like you're going to have, they're going to say some of the same things, but they're going to say it a different way. It doesn't yeah. mean that I'm not gaining something from every single author that I'm reading. And really, when you're reading, read critically, take what's meant for you and like just ignore the stuff that doesn't resonate with you. And that's just with every book. Um, but when you're going to Amazon and you're finding books that in your that are in your, hey Candace, I love you. Um, but when you're finding books in your similar niche, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to um, the rankings that are on Amazon, and I want you to go to like the bestsellers in that category, like the top, right? And I want you to take notice to a few things. I want you to take notice to the categories that they're listed under. That's important. Um, I want you to take notice to the covers that are selling really well. Um, and I want you to take notice to how they are communicating their book. And then this is gold. Guys, I'm dropping you a gold nugget here. I want you to go to their reviews. I want you to go to the five-star reviews and I want you to read them. Don't read all of them. Some of them have thousands, but go to five-star reviews and see what everybody loved about that particular book. And if they loved the stories, make sure you add stories. If they loved um, tools and resources, make sure you add tools and resources. And then I want you to go to the one-star reviews and see what people did not like about that particular book. And then I want you to fill that gap. So did they not like that there was no stories? Make sure you're adding stories. Did they not like that there wasn't anywhere for them to go? Then whatever, right? You are going to find gold in those one and five star reviews to make sure like you're hitting that material in your book. It makes your book a better book. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever did that, but that's a really good point. And and then and testimonies too, like or you know, depending on what the situation is. Mm -hmm. Um and those reviews really matter too, yes. believe it or not. It's it's very, very important not only to read them and see what's going on with those, but also to get your own once you're out there. Mm -hmm. um, because people tend to look at all of that now, whether it's a hotel or a restaurant, um, especially I'm seeing these new generation people immediately, if I say anything to my kids about, well, you want to go eat so-and-so, they've already looked. You know, if I want to go to mm -hmm. wherever, do whatever they're like oh yeah it has only has two stars and i was just like i don't need i never even thought to look at that kind of stuff but yeah. but going back to what you were saying about multiple people on one subject yeah. i probably have like 15 books on oils of course and yeah. then like 15 books on crystals and you know um spiritual consciousness or whatever so you're absolutely right just mm -hmm. because it's along the same lines it's not going to have your vibe. It's not going to have your frequency. It's not going to have your experience because we're also very, very different. Um, I know Steve is on here and I mean, he does sound uh, healing and crystal um, bowls. Mm. Gosh, you know, he's recommended several books to me too, but I guarantee Steve, if you wrote a book, dude, um, I'm going to buy that book. And because the, the way the, the essence of you is coming through, that's yeah. absolutely your, his DNA. That's very, very separate from everybody else. And that's the beauty of how God made us so diversified is we all have a part. Everyone has a piece yeah. and you never know what piece that's going to come through to help you get that whole big picture to help you really, really understand things in a, in a better way. Um, and I, I'm, I'm old school. I'm still like the real book paper, like, right. I still have a real calendar that I write down. I underline, I like to smell it, mm -hmm. you know, I dog ear, you know, I highlight, I'm, yes. I'm still, I know you do digital and you do audio. Um, you helped me launch my book, all, you know, on Kindle, you helped me launch it, uh, or both of my books on Kindle. And you helped me do the audio. I got in the studio. I was like, again, another thing out of my comfort zone. But uh, but so many people are going the audio route. And you know what? My audio book is a lot different, actually, Absolutely. than my written book. Um, not just because it's me talking and it's my voice, but I get emotional at times. I'm t I'm, I, I, I kind of went off. The, yep. the map at times and added my own, you know, things that came up in memory as I was going and I just went with it and I was going to edit it out. And then I, you told me, no, keep it, you know, keep it. 
And so um, speak a little bit about, you know, print versus audio versus um, digital, you know, speaking into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So there's multiple formats. Great job, Steve. If you need help, let me know. Um, there is lots of formats that you can consume a book in, right? Like you have your, your, your paperback or hardcover book. Um, you have your eBooks, you have audio books. There are, geez, there's large print, there's translated books, you know? Um, and I feel like it's important to do all of those. So I automatically, when I'm working with books, I automatically am doing eBooks, paperbacks, and I'm now doing hardcovers as well. Like I'm just doing it as a standard um, because some people like hardcovers, right? Like I like hardcovers. So I'm automatically doing that as a standard and I'm encouraging all of my people to do audiobooks. Now listen, there's a couple things here. One, I much prefer that if I'm going to listen to an audiobook, I want the author to be narrating their audiobook. I mean, you are a prime example, Charnel, like you, your emotion that goes into it, like the inflection in your voice, like it hits differently. If I'm hearing you read your book to me and ad-libbing, you know, where it comes naturally. That's it, ad-libbing. And, yes. and I was gonna, like I said, I was going to, I even called you and I'm like, shoot, you know, I have a few chapters that I kind of like remember some things and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, so what? Make it different. It's fine. Yeah. And I was nervous to tell you. I was like, oh, she's going to be mad. But go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I know. And if you think about it this way, it's like um, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have TikTok, we've got email newsletters. And listen, if we just copied and pasted verbatim into every single outlet, I mean, why would anybody want to go get my email newsletter if I'm just copying and pasting what's already on my Facebook that you just read, right? It just doesn't make sense. So I love the fact that you ad-libbed in your audiobook. I mean, because real talk, it gives your readers an opportunity to like hear more of you and, and buy more products from you, you know? I mean, because they're getting more in another product. So it just makes sense for that. Um, and I don't remember what the statistic is, Charnel. Um, I think I told you at one time, but it's like 60, 70, 80%. I don't remember. But audiobook sales have increased year over year, like really? super high. Yes. Like super high. It's crazy. I don't remember what the statistic is. I need to look that up again. But yeah, I mean, it just makes sense to do an audiobook. So I encourage my authors, um, hey, one, look for a local recording studio. Most people don't know where to start to look for a local recording studio. Well, here's a couple ideas. Um, Google, Google recording studio. Um, Charlotte, just reach out. I'll help you. I'll give you the next steps on that. Um, and we'll drop that link then later. So Google recording studio, see if you can find something close by. Call your local radio station if you have a local radio station. Um, podcasters see if you have any local podcasters because they have studio places set up churches could absolutely have like little studios set up that you can record your podcast um and then what i would do is i provide like these are the files that i need so whoever's going to be recording you so you're in your little microphone doing your thing whoever it is that's recording you and providing you the files i'm going to give them the instructions on what i need from them and once they are done with those instructions um, and they have the files ready, then I just interface directly with the um, recording studio guru. Actually, I don't even know if they have like a technical name. So I'm sorry if I offended anybody. Um, so I'm going to get to that recording studio guru. I'm going to get their files and then I'm going to make everything happen on my end by making sure it's all uploaded properly. And yeah, go from there. Yes, and it looks like there are a ton of people on here. Charlotte is writing a children's book, and Steve's already writing. I know Candace is supposed to be writing a book. Debbie's on here. Um, if any of you guys have, yeah, I was going to say producer. Um, Steve's mm -hmm. a recording engineer. Uh, if any of you guys have questions, too, while you're on here, feel free to just post it in the chat. Oh, um, yes, I love answering questions can directly um, send your questions here. Um, so what would you say to someone who um, 
is ready to start now. Like, I mean, obviously they got to send you a link and get going. Um, but, but what I, well, I guess you're going to talk about cost a little bit too, because there's, I'm going to say this, I was brought, I was connected, um, to, I'm not going to name the names of some pretty big publishing companies, um, that had offered me three book deals um over the years and this is weird years and years and years ago when i first wrote keys to third heaven and at the time i was working a lot with graham cook you know um john paul jackson paul mm -hmm. Davis, and some of those guys who had multiple books yeah. out stacy campbell and they were all going with these publishers and literally i had five or six when i was on tv well who were like, please, you know, even one book deal, three book deal. When I started looking at the print of the, of the actual, um, take home for me, not only did I have to put up a bunch of money up front, but in the end they were doing my marketing and what have you and putting the book together, but I was getting 3% of the actual cost of the book in the end. So just like, I mean, I'm talking pennies. So if it was a $15 book, I might come home with you know, three cents a book or something. And I, that didn't sit well with me. This is like, a, you know, my life uh, in, in my first book. And I'm sitting here going, why am I going to do all of this? And I'm getting pennies. And like, of course, they're going to put it out there and do the marketing and what have you. But I already had a following um, with, with my website and, and with the travel, um, the conferences that I was doing and being on TV and what have you. So I kept like really, really praying about it. And I got this scripture that said um, something about what the good news, uh, don't remind me, the good news, um, feet, having to do with feet and the good news. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Beautiful are the feet who bring good like, I don't know. How beautiful are the feet of the people, of people who bring good news. Um, that kept coming in my head. And I was like, what? So I look in the Strong's and it actually wasn't, good it wasn't the word was publish in the strong mm -hmm. so how beautiful are the feet who publish good news and i was like oh my gosh maybe i'm supposed to be the publisher and you know of course there's some costs in hiring an editor and you know paper buying the paper getting it printed mm -hmm. uh you know um which i'm going to go into a second too but in the end when i sold a book you know i was getting like 95% of the book back in, yes. in cost of whatever the sale price was. And then also could sell to um, bookstores and whatever and so um, wholesale, but I was still getting, you know, 70% of that. So, and I know like Amazon has theirs and whatever, and you can even work with Amazon and they'll print it for <laughs> you too. So you're not even paying printing costs per se of like going find a warehouse buying 10,000 books that got to sit in your garage and you got to, you know, dupe them out, um, with that upfront cost. So go into a little bit about, Oh, well, now I'll say when, um, when I brought this to Graham cook and I said, you know, I'm really considering self-publishing. I talked to Jim Gall, Stacey Campbell, I mean, Stacey Campbell and, um, Graham and said, I'm actually thinking about self-publishing because why would I, you know, why would I waste it? You know, I thought about like the guy who had the talents yeah. and it's like, you know, he wasted his talents and like, why would I just give this away to everyone else when the kingdom, you know, like keep the money and use it to serve and help people and what have you. And, um, I, they laughed, they were just like, oh no, you really need to go with some kind of hoop marketing person. Somebody knows what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. And it was so weird because even like four years later, what had happened is the publisher for Graham Cook stopped, had decided to stop selling this series he had. He had like, I think a five or 10 book series and they just decided to stop selling it. And yeah. he couldn't sell it himself except for the copies that he had bought. And so this book was going nowhere. And he was explaining to me how not only that happened, but I've also talked to several people who went with publishers. Well, they own it. So not only can they own it and, and own the rights and they can change your words without telling you, they can cut it out without telling you and, or they can stop selling it and not even tell you. And then you're, you're not getting even the 3% or the 1% that whatever you decided on. Yeah. So, um, so the freedom of publishing yourself or working with someone like you, 
to help publish, you don't own anything. You don't, you know, hijack everybody's stuff. You don't hold it hostage, you know, go into that a little bit. Okay, good. I'm actually glad that you asked this question because I've, I've got, I've got the T and this is what you need to know when you are determining how you are specifically going to get your book out of your head into paper as a book distributed to the masses. Um, listen, last year and every year, there's 1.5 million books being published in the US every single year. Technology has made everybody a publisher, okay? Um, anybody can do a book now. So when I'm talking to people, listen, there's room for all of us. Anybody who wants to publish a book, like all of us who are publishing, um, and helping other people publish, there's room for everybody, even though it is still very much can be a cutthroat industry. Um, when you were publishing and you were determining how you're gonna publish, listen, there is a lot of people who are like, I want a book deal. Everybody has this in the back of their head that they need to be paid for their book in order for it to be considered like truly published. I was published. Oh, did someone pay you to do that? Um, so let's talk about that. Yes, back in the day, um, we had traditional publishing companies and that's how you got your book published. I wrote a book, I pitched it to a publishing company. They found value in it or they didn't. They decided if they could make money on it or they couldn't. Um, they paid you for the manuscript and then they did their thing. Um, that's no longer the case because we're no longer buying our books strictly from bookstores, right? Like Amazon is huge. I buy most of my books from Amazon. You probably do too. Um, Amazon is huge because of technology, all kinds of publishing companies have popped up. Okay. So here's what I'm getting at. You need to determine what's important to you before you determine how you're going to publish that. And there's three things that I talk to people about. Um, when it comes to publishing one, you need to know like where you stand with the rights of your book. Okay. Now your book is copyrighted in your name because you wrote the book and I don't care who you publish with, right? It's always going to be copyrighted in your name. You're going to open up copyright page, copyright Charnel, and that's yours. When you are signing a contract, you absolutely need to read the fine print because what publishing companies do, I mean, because listen, they're putting money into your book, their money into your book. So they need to make sure that they're recouping their funds. I mean, no publishing company stays in business because they weren't making money off of your material. So the fine print, you are signing over the intellectual property rights of your book. What that means is, is if you wrote a book and you're like, man, this is doing really well. I'm getting a lot of feedback on chapter three. I think I'm gonna take chapter three and expand on it and make it its own book. Um, guess what? You already signed over the rights to that, that chapter to your publishing company. So you need to go back to your publishing company and say, hey, um, I wanna expand on chapter three and make it its own book. They're gonna do a couple things. One, they're gonna check the sales. Oh, this did really well. Great idea. We're gonna go ahead and publish that for you. Um, so now you're in the hamster wheel all over again. Two, um, they're going to say, mm, sales aren't so good. You know, we're going to sell you your rights back to your book so you can go ahead and do that because that's a way for them to get money to give you your book back, um, which that's what would have happened um, with Graham Cook. Like they backlisted his stuff. They own the rights to his books. So if he wanted those books, he could offer to purchase them back from them. That can be quite expensive. Um, so you need to know what's important. Is it important for you to um, have the rights and full control over your book and do whatever you want with it whenever you want? I mean, like to me, that's kind of important. Um, unless maybe they were giving me like seven figures or six figures for my book, then I might have to reconsider. I don't know. Um, I mean, just real talk. So they're not going to explicitly say in there, hey, you're signing over the intellectual property rights from your book. But here are some things that you are going to be able to pick up one that's like, oh, they're taking, they're taking my rights. Um, they're going to say like, we have um, translation rights that we can do this in Spanish. We have we are keeping and maintaining foreign rights, movie rights. Um, I say swag. I don't actually know if that's the right word, but if there's any coffee mugs or T-shirts or hats or calendars to be made, we're going to go ahead and take care of those. Those are real good indicators um, that they are taking intellectual property rights of your book. 
And another indicator of that would be um, just, you know, like royalties, right? So where do you fall in that? If you don't care if someone holds the rights, absolutely, you can seek out a traditional based publishing company, read your contract. Um, the second thing that you need to be aware of is um, your royalties. Like how much money per book do you want to make? I mean, Sharno, you said it perfectly. Like when I published, you know, traditionally, I was making 3% of my book versus if you publish on your own and put it up on your own platforms, you know, you're making pennies on making pennies on the dollar publishing traditionally versus making like most of your dollars back. So let me give you just like a quick analogy. I'm terrible with math. That's why I have a calculator. So bear with me on this. Let's just assume your book is a $20 book, right? The average book that I purchase is $20. So I'm spending $20 on a book that, by the way, is costing maybe $250 or $3 to print. So $17 is absolutely going to come back to you if you're publishing it on your own versus if you are getting um, like royalties from that person, it's sale price. And by the way, bookstores purchase for 50% of the retail price. So now we're not working on that $20 book. We're working on a $10 book that your royalties are going to come out of minus print costs, minus shipping costs, minus overhead costs, minus all of the costs that got in. That's why you're getting the pennies on the dollars. Okay. Um, so anytime that you can write a book and sell your book from your hand directly into the hands of your reader, I mean, or mail it to them, you're always going to get a biggest chunk of the profit, right? I mean, even with Amazon, you're going to upload it on Amazon. So it's like sale price minus or retail price minus print cost minus shipping. And then, you know, Amazon's royalty split. So you need to understand where do you fall in rights? You need to want to know, you need to know about where you're going to stand for your royalties. Um, and then the other thing is marketing. I want to talk about this a little bit. Every single person has published a book is like, how can I market my book better? What ideas do you have for me? I don't care who you publish with. The author is always, always, always going to be the biggest marketer of your book because no one is going to be as passionate about the material as you are, right? And there's ways that you can market your book. And I tell people it is never, ever, ever too soon to start talking about your book. Like, so for anybody who's like listening to this right now, if you've got that book in your heart, if like something is stirring in you, you can go to freaking Facebook right now and post listening to this podcast on True TV with Dr. Sharnell Wolverton, Sihan, and I'm listening to Marty Stoller with Rebel Queen talk about, you know, publishing books. And this is the book that I've been thinking about. What do you think? Okay, because here's what's going to happen. The sooner you can start talking about your book, the longer the buzz is going to be buzzing and the more people that's going to jump into that buzz, right? Um, which is more people who is ready and waiting for you to purchase your book as soon as your book is released. I find that authors who promote, I'm not even going to use the word promote. That's a terrible word. People get scared by promote. But the authors who are transparent and communicating that they're writing a book, what they're writing about, and they're taking people along their journey with them, you know, they're being super vulnerable because it is a scary thing to say, I'm writing a book. Um, the people who are doing that sooner versus waiting for four weeks before the book is released is always going to sell more books upon release than the people who are like, oh, my book's coming out in two weeks. Like now it's really real. And like, and that's fine. Like if you're, if, if, if it just does not become real and you just can't do it, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Because you can still do it, but it is never too soon to start promoting your book. Um, and that's the thing. People who are getting traditional book deals have already built an audience. So you need to build your audience. I don't care how you're publishing, who you're publishing with, build your audience, build your audience by communicating and staying connected with the people that you are communicating with. Right. Um, when a traditional book publisher, like when I started at the first publishing company that I started at, and it was a traditional base deal. So like we negotiated contracts, we paid royalties, we stocked bookstore shelves. When I read your manuscript and I felt there was like, wow, we've got something here. The next question that I had for you was, hey, I read your manuscript. Looks really good. I need you to fill this out for me. And I sent them these forms. And essentially, here's what I wanted to know. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And how many people love that you're doing it? So how many followers do you have on all of your social media accounts? 
How engaged are you? How many people are on your email list? How frequently are you engaging with them? Um, where have you spoken? So I want you to give me the dates and the places that you have spoken for the last three years and how many people was there. And if you have other products, how much did you sell? And then I wanted to know over the next three years, how many conferences are you already lined up to speak at, right? And how many people do you anticipate being there? Because that tells me two things. That tells me that you have the wider, the bigger the audience, the more books you're going to sell. So the greater chance, the less risk I have taking a chance on doing your book, right? So build your audience. I'm going to sell to them or you're going to sell to them. And I highly encourage you to sell to them. So um, yeah, now I've rattled on about those three things. Um, you might have to bring me back in on what you need to know next. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is golden. I mean, honestly, and we're coming up at the top of the hour. So we're actually um, about ending it, but I know um, if you could, please do send me that link um, or post it right in the chat here. Cause I don't know. Oh, there's the chat. Okay. So listen, um, you're just going to go to my, my page rebelqueen.co. Um, oh, the, the, do you have a link for me? Didn't you have a link? Yes. So here's what that looks like. You're going to go to rebelqueen.co and you're going to book a clarity call. So it's like on every single page. And when you fill out that form, there's going to be a drop down that says, how did you hear about me? And you're going to do that drop down and you're going to select Dr. Charnel Wolverton Sihon. So then that's, that's you. Yeah. So the reason why I was asking is, um, you know, I want, I personally would like to know who is doing this. I'm a big person about cheerleading. Yeah, and absolutely. And, um, I, I, do, and I love all of you guys. I'm really excited. I'm actually going to copy this link right here and put it in the chat. Let's see. Oh, did you find it? There we go. You're the best. Is it CO? Yeah, or it's CO. Okay. I mean, because some Italian company who's doing clothing took rebelqueen.com. Where did you get Rebel Queen? <laughs> okay, listen, it kind of started off as a joke. Like I had this LLC that I wasn't even going to use publicly for anything. And then I decided that I was going to start a publishing company and naming something is a big deal, right? So I'm just like, well, Rebel Queen is like really... I mean, like, it's totally me. And here's why. Um, I have three daughters. And when my daughters were teenagers, they'd bring all their little friends into my house and they'd give out my like internet and um, cable password. So these kids could like plug in my login and they could have access to cable and internet. It didn't matter where they are. And I get so angry with my girls. I'm like, stop giving her stuff out. So I would constantly go in and delete everybody off and change the password. So the last time I was like, well, if their little friends are going to put my password in, they're going to call me queen. So like my password was some rendition of queen Marty. Um, so that's where the queen came from. It was totally a joke. And then rebel is just because, I mean, it is so innately who I am. Just can't help it. So rebel queen. And I want everybody to be a rebel because when I look at rebel, like, you know, I encourage rebellious behavior, like break out of that box that you think you're stuck in. Interesting. Yeah. I have my own version of why I think that's amazing. And of course I, I think you're amazing and I love your work and you've definitely um, launched and helped me get um, my, both my books, which I have two two you did two of my books and um someone at the last question i'm going that someone is asking about like not just graphics and cover yeah um but any kind i think she came back let me see da, da, da. she said something about illustrations um i know for me you helped me get this like i kind of gave you what i had in my mind um, cause I'm not a drawer as uh, there are illustrations in this book and you can see that the ones that I've tried to do or did on my own. Oh yeah. I remember those. I remember getting those. Yeah. Like stick people. They're um, great. Yes. I, I'm quite, quite the artist. Yes. Whenever I got my cover, um, cause I, deciding is not my best. And so I remember like putting it out like a few yeah. different covers and say, which one do you think is better? And I got you guys help out there and, and, uh, social media land to, to kind of help, you know, not just me pick, but 
you know, we had like a contest of, of, of things, but talk about illustrations and then we're going to we'll have to wrap up, but this has just been so amazing and just a, really, really helpful. And mm -hmm. um, Okay, cool. I'm like, now I feel like I need to talk really fast. So if I don't get something out, just go book a call with me and we'll just have this convo. Okay. So um, illustrations, if you specifically are doing a children's book um, and you are an illustrator, there are some things that you need to know before you actually start drawing your own children's books, right? Um, if you are not doing your own children's books, there are illustrators out there. Before you do it yourself or you book somebody, you need to know a few things. You need to have your um, children's book completely edited by a specific children's book editor. You cannot just go hire any editor thinking that they can do a children's book. There are people who are specialized um, in, in subject matter and genres, okay? Um, so you need to have it fully edited. The reason it needs to be edited because we need to know where those page breaks are. So when it gets edited, then we say, okay, page break. This is page one. This is page two. This is page 17, whatever. Um, and that, that children's editor is also going to tell you, hey, it is my suggestion that this is a full spread. So when you're opening up a book, right? Like, hold on. I got a notebook here. So when you're opening up, shoot, a book... Like this is a spread. Both pages are a spread. If it's just one, that's just one page, right? So some children's books have a full spread and some of them are just individual images on a page. So you need to have it edited. It needs to be broken down by page. And then this is super important. You need to know your trim size. So go look at children's books. Do you like eight and a half by eight and a half square? Do you want eight and a half by 11? Do you want a seven by 10 book? And by the way, when we upload, also do your research, or you can just call me because I got the goods. Um, do your research on what is normal trim sizes that are available on these print on demand machines that Amazon is using because they don't print just any size. So that's super important to know. Um, and there was one other thing that I was going to tell you. Mm. Um, oh, that was the same question. So illustrations, if you pay your illustrator, those illustrations belong to you and they also need to be the same size. So that illustrator has to be familiar with children's books to understand, um, what bleed that they need, um, what margins they're looking for, the gutter of your book. Um, the gutter is important because the gutter is in the binding, right? So when you open up your book, that that margin that's needed for like the inside of that book that's a gutter that needs to be bigger because when you open up a book it's not going to open up flat right here yes exactly that's the gutter um so your illustrator needs to be aware of all of those things and they need to know what image is going on each page and they also need to know the trim size of the book so they can um draw properly and give you the images that you need yes event writing Yes. That's on the side, you know, how thick is it going to be? What are we going to put? Like all of mine have the same like logo at the bottom. So if they're standing next to each other, they match at the bottom. You know, there's just so much there's it's fun. It's creative. So much. You really want to get your like creative juices going. Um, yeah, it's this is super fun. So mm -hmm. if you guys are interested, go to our link rebelqueen.co um and you know check out what she's doing um i think this is you know very timely apparently lots of people are commenting saying how timely it is um and yeah any further questions um i guess they can reach out to you yeah. and and kind of hone in on any specifics that may be more personal to their situation more yeah. customized um, but yeah, any final words before we pop off here? No, I'm so excited. This has been super fun. It flowed really well. Um, I love seeing all these comments come in. Um, I love talking about books. So yeah, don't hesitate to, to reach out. Awesome. And definitely go to news, um, our newsletter, get on our newsletter. So you get all of the upcoming shows, make sure there's some great products on there, resources on my classes. Um, and hit the notification on here. Um, I forgot to mention that we do have a membership that helps us keep going. Um, it's $4.99 a month for you to be able to get um, all of this. And we do have private meetings. We have private content that you can't get right here. Um, our meetings are Zooms. So we're actually seeing each other's faces, hearing your stories. 
um, it's a more of a conversation versus like right here, you're just seeing two people for an interview. Um, our meetings are very fun because we're, we're doing fun things like burn parties. We do destiny readings. Um, there's just a lot of fun of getting to know each other because I, I can see you guys as names and that's fun. But I really love miss um, seeing people in real life. And obviously we aren't going to be connecting in real life. But the closest thing would be on a Zoom to actually, you know, just see and hear your hearts and um, answer Q&As and uh, really get to know each other on a community and work together as a community. Um, so um, we have a meeting in, in February. We have one every month. And then I also do free giveaways um, for, for my members. And we will be giving away a free bioscan and consultation valued at $222 this month. Um, we just pick a random member and try to, you know, just bless and give back, but it takes a lot of time and money and I have a producer and an editor and all the stuff that goes along with this. So this just helps us keep going, um, and do this. So if you're interested in, um, joining our membership, then please do, um, follow that link too. But, uh, without any, anything else to say, um, I love you, Steve. I, I love you back, Steve and Carol and all you guys who are giving the beautiful comments. I thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today and really, really appreciate the questions and the comments and the synergy here. And Marty, you're amazing. You know, I just, um, bless you and love you. And I'm going to be on your podcast. I know. Like, too. Yes. I'm excited to be on your show as well. And we'll just see where all this goes, but that's it for today. You guys will see you next week. Um, Dr. Lucky will be talking about medicine, energy medicine. This is going to be such a good one. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. So this is a biggie. Stay tuned every Thursday at noon. Um, but next week we'll have him on and, um, that's it for today. Love you guys so much. See ya. Bye.